You're listening to the Tax Bits podcast, where we provide bite-sized tax updates and news that impact you and your loved ones. As always, you can find show notes and resources for each episode at cartaxlaw.com. Now, here's your host, Jason Carr. Hello once again, and thanks for tuning in to the fourth episode of my monthly tax podcast. As always, if you know others who might benefit from listening, let them know they can find the podcast on their platform of choice, including Apple and Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. So here's a newsflash. The IRS is pretty particular about how you do your tax returns. They are really sticklers for the hows, whens, and especially how much you put on those filing documents each year. Mess them up, and you'll be hit with a penalty. And it's not just a a single penalty either. Oh no, the IRS can assess many, many types of penalties against you, over a hundred in fact. For instance, there's a penalty for a failure to file, a penalty for a late tax payment, one for underpayment of estimated taxes, a penalty for the failure to provide a social security number, a bad check penalty, a penalty for not paying a tax penalty, and don't even get me started in the whole area of cheating and fraud related penalties. With the potential for late filing penalties, late payment penalties, estimated tax penalties, and calculation-related penalties, sooner or later, you could get hit. Luckily, there's something called a penalty abatement that can help you with several of the most common IRS penalties out there. For instance, the IRS provides penalty relief in the form of abatement for you know, failing to file your tax return, failing to pay on time, failing to deposit certain taxes as required, and a few other penalties. Now, I could talk for hours about all the types of tax penalties out there and strategies to fight each, but because I like to keep these episodes short, I'm just going to discuss some of the most common tax penalties and how to request a tax abatement for each. Let's start with an overview of these first. The failure to file and failure to pay penalties. A lot of taxpayers file their tax return late and or make a late payment. The IRS will send you an automated notice of failure to file and failure to pay penalties, but these may be abated. Another common one is the estimated tax penalty. These types of payments are used to pay income tax and self-employment tax reported on your tax return. If you don't pay enough through withholding or estimated tax payments, you may have to pay a penalty. So if you have a business, you may be required to pay the IRS every quarter, and you have to be accurate with these estimates. If you don't pay enough by the due date of each quarter, you can be hit with a penalty, despite the fact that you may be due a refund when you file your tax return. So if you don't send Uncle Sam a big enough check, showing that you're withholding from your wages and don't make estimated tax payments evenly throughout the year, the IRS will likely impose the estimated tax penalty, also called an underpayment penalty. Another one are accuracy-related penalties. These are the most common. This category can cover a lot of misdeeds, whether intentional or accidental. The IRS can hit you with an accuracy-related penalty for a number of types of misconduct. The two most common accuracy-related penalties are the substantial underpayment penalty and the negligence or disregard of the rules or regulations penalty. Each of these penalties is calculated at a flat 20% of the net understatement of tax. As for the penalty for substantial understatement, you understate your tax and the IRS considers it substantial if it's more than the larger of 10% of the correct tax or $5,000 for individuals. This is the same as the underpayment penalty. And with respect to the penalty for negligence and disregard of the rules and regulations, negligence, as the IRS interprets it, includes things like not making a reasonable attempt to comply with the internal revenue laws, not exercising ordinary and reasonable care in preparation of tax return, or not maintaining adequate books and records or to substantiate items properly. 
If there's an underpayment of tax on your return from fraud, the IRS imposes a penalty of 75% of the underpayment. However, keep in mind that negligence or ignorance of the law doesn't constitute fraud. There's also a frivolous tax return penalty of $5,000 if you file a frivolous tax return or other frivolous submissions. A frivolous tax return is one that does not include sufficient information to calculate the correct tax or that are those that contains information that obviously indicates that the tax you reported is totally incorrect. Okay, so if you've been hit with a penalty like the ones we've just covered, your next question is going to be, well, how do I get an abatement? To qualify for administrative relief from penalties for failing to file a tax return, pay on time, and or deposit taxes when due under the first-time penalty abatement policy, you must first prove that you either weren't previously required to file a return or you have no penalties for the three years before the year when you got a penalty. So in other words, you can only do this every three years. So you must have filed all currently required returns or filed an extension of time to file. In other words, you need to be compliant with all your filings. And lastly, you must have paid or arranged to pay any tax due. The first time penalty abatement is in effect a get out of jail free card for you if you filed and paid on time and haven't incurred any penalties in the past three years. It's okay if you've had an estimated tax penalty. The interest that's charged on a penalty would be reduced or taken off when the penalty is reduced or removed. But note that if you have an unpaid balance that's still in your account, the interest will continue to accrue until your tax bill is paid in full. If you're looking for an tax payment for the second or third time, it's a little more difficult than playing your get-out-of-jail-free card. In these instances, the IRS may provide you with relief for what it deems reasonable cause. As with the first-time penalty abatement, if successful, the IRS will remove the approved penalties the same way, with the exception that the interest isn't abated for reasonable cause. Now, proving your reasonable cause won't be easy. The determination is based on the totality of the facts and circumstances of your case. The IRS will look at any reasons that demonstrate you use all ordinary care and prudence to meet your federal tax obligations, but were still not able to do so. IRS regs and case law indicate that sound reasons, if established, include things like a real emergency, you know, like a fire, casualty, natural disaster, or other disturbances, inability to obtain records, uh, death, serious illnesses, incapacitation, or the unavoidable absence of the taxpayer or a member of the taxpayer's immediate family, and any other reason that shows that you use all ordinary business care and prudence to file and pay. You should know that a lack of funds by itself isn't considered reasonable cause for failure to file or, or pay on time, but your reasons for the lack of cash may still satisfy the reasonable cause criteria for the failure to pay penalty. Now, taking into account what we just talked about, you're probably now wondering what facts the IRS needs to determine reasonable cause. Here are some of the questions you'll need to answer. First, what happened and when? What specifics kept you from filing your return or paying your taxes on time? How did these facts and circumstances impact your ability to file and or pay your taxes or perform your other day-to-day -day responsibilities? Also, when these facts and circumstances changed, what did you do to file and or pay your taxes? You're going to need to show the IRS documentation like hospital or court records or a letter from a physician that proves you were ill or incapacitated or records showing the natural disaster, accident, or other events that preventing compliance. So be prepared to make your case to the IRS. And if they deny your initial request, appeal the denial and present your case at the next level. So that's all I have for this month. As with everything IRS related, the process of obtaining a penalty abatement is never straightforward or easy. But if you're facing a large tax bill 
arguing for penalty relief may be a good strategy to reduce your overall debt. Take care, everyone. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please tell your friends and colleagues to visit cartaxlaw.com. Cartaxlaw.com. Thanks for listening and be sure to tune in next time for another edition of the Tax Bits Podcast.